Waymaker, miracle worker. Has he made a way for you this morning, church? Has he worked a miracle in your life this morning, church? I know he has mine by sending his son Jesus to die on the cross and save me of my sins. Amen? Oh, God's good. Uh, do you know the theme this morning? Any, any, any wild guesses? God's good, right? That's what we're going to be talking about. But before we get there, church, let's recap what's been going on here at Holland Chapel. Uh, over the last several weeks, we've been in a sermon series that I've loved uh, preaching, haven't loved hearing, if I'm just being honest with you, some of those weeks called God's Design. And I want to encourage you, if you missed any of those weeks or you're, you're just jumping on board here at Holland Chapel, all that's available to you on our YouTube channel. We really encourage you to go there, check that out. Uh, good refresher course uh, with whatever season you might be in. I'm confident there's something there for you that's called God's design. And last week, we tied a bow on it with this conversation of dysfunction that, that God wants so much more out of our lives than the chaos and the dysfunction that we may find ourselves in right now. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Not for disaster, but a future hope. Right, church? He's got so much more for you. So that's how we ended this sermon series this past week. Looking ahead, let me give you a little, little preview. Next Sunday, we're going to kick off a new sermon series called Generosity. Are you ready for that, church? You ready for it? i got to be honest with you. Uh, I've been around Holland Chapel for uh, a while, and... Money is one of those conversations that we just don't often like to have, right? It's cold in here. Help me out, right? It's like, I, I like going to church. I like listening to the Word of God until it shapes the way that I vote and it shapes what I do with my money, right? Well, over uh, the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at biblical generosity. What is that? What does it mean? And one of those sermons in particular, yeah, we're going we're gonna to talk about money. We're going to look and see what the Bible says about our money. I'm not going to tell you which week, so you don't have any excuse not to be here, right? I'm not going to give you the outline of that one. You just got to show up each week, see when we're going to talk about money. Uh, but, but God wants you to be generous with your finances. Do you believe that? And we're going to talk about it. Okay, so next week starts sermon series called generosity, and I'm excited about it. But church, do you have those moments in life that you love to celebrate? Do you have them? Birthday, holidays, you name it, good things like we like to celebrate. Do you like to celebrate stuff as a church? Like when we, when we celebrate things, do you like that? Give me something right? Like, man, we show numbers, we show stories, whatever it is. Like, yeah, God's good. Well, I want to share with you some numbers. Numbers isn't everything, but you've heard us say it before. Numbers represent souls, and we're in the business of souls. Amen, right, church? Uh, this past semester, the semester we're in right now, actually, uh, HCSM, that's Holland Chapel Student Ministry, saw a record Wednesday night of 184 students on site. Isn't that awesome? And here's one for you. This past Sunday, HC Kids set a non-holiday record of 169 kids right over there on a Sunday morning. Isn't that incredible? And here's one I think tops them all. 
right now signed up for the new believers class that's offered to our HC Kids Ministry for kids that have placed their faith in Jesus. We have 11 kids signed up for that. Amen? That's salvation. God's good, right, church? But I want to give you a warning. Can I? I've been around movements of God long enough to know this. And you've heard me say it before. I'm going to say it again. When God moves, Satan hates it. He can't stand it. So I'm going to ask you again from up here, if you're a praying person, if you're a person that takes notes, I want you to write this down. Pray for my church. Pray. Pray for what God is doing here and that Satan would stay really far away. Right, church? We want to see him continue to move. We want to see people come to him. We want to see people hear the gospel. We want to see people respond. We want lives to be changed. And we want nothing to get in the way of that. So praying people of Holland Chapel pray that Satan would stay really far away. We want God to keep on moving. But today, our thought, as we're right here between series, is that he's good, capital H, he's good, Remember, he's good. God's really, really good. Do you remember that he's good, church? I'm going to say this. I want some verbal response. I'm going to pose a question. Do you believe that God is good? Okay. All right. It's, it's crucial that we all echoed that. Well, you're like, well, Luke, what else would I say when I'm in church, like you pose the question, is God go? Of course, He's good. I'm in church. I'm here to worship Him. But so often in our lives, we forget things. So let me share some stuff with you. It's not uncommon for the people of God to forget the goodness of God. If you were to look at Scripture, specifically the pattern of the Old Testament, let, let me get you caught up on really what the front half of your Bible is saying, it's saying that God is good, God redeems, He calls, He leads, He saves His people, His people go on, all you got to do is just, maybe when that happens, turn a page or two, and His people forget. And usually what happens is they curse his name, they shake their fists, and they're like, really, is this all that you got for us, and yada, yada, yada. And this pattern continues. It's a cycle. It's a vicious cycle that we read in the Old Testament. God is who he is. He's good. He saves. He delivers. People are like, thank you. And then before too long, they forget. And, and you might read the narrative of the Old Testament and you're like, how could that happen? Yet in our own life, God continues to show up. God continues to save, to redeem, to restore, to heal, to shower out his compassion, his mercy, and his goodness. Yet you may have a bad week and go, how dare you? And, and so, man, we find ourselves in that pattern of God doing incredible things, and then we forget. And if we're honest... Mainly, it's those seasons in life, I love using that term, seasons, when things don't go all that well. 
bad phone call, rough diagnosis, loss of a loved one, busted up relationship, you name it, those circumstances are many. But when we're in those seasons of life, we're like, wow, is he good? Now, I'll say it on a Sunday morning because everybody else did, but do you believe it? Often, we forget just how good God is, and we need to be reminded, don't we? I want to share a story with you. I've never shared it publicly. Uh, my grandmother was a precious lady. She's since gone on to be with the Lord. Raise your hand if you've got a sweet grandmama or had a sweet grandmama. Aren't they a blessing? And I'll just tell you, she had six grandkids and I was her favorite. How many of you were your grandmother's favorite? You're like, well, yeah, like, of course. Now I'm going to say this and you think I'm joking. I really was her favorite. Don't take that from me. Don't, don't take that from me. Don't make me think anything less. I was the baby boy, so for sure I was the favorite boy. But, but I, I just know that I was my grandmother's favorite. I just know. And, and, and later in life, my grandmother battled Alzheimer's. If you know anything about it, it's a cruel disease. It's horrible. And I, I'll never forget, it was one of the last, well, it was the last Christmas that we had with her. Her, her mind had since gone. Her, her body was failing. Uh, but we had a, a moment with her. Uh, there at Christmas, and uh, you could just look at her and tell, man, you, you know, it's mine's not there. And we went a around the room because she was looking at everyone until she got to me, her favorite. And something changed. Her facial expression changed. She, she tried to get up off of a chair. And you can ask any family member that it was there. It, it was the sight of this beautiful face. That's what did it. She was like, that's that's my baby boy, Lou. And in that moment, I don't know, doctors will tell you whatever, but I'm going to believe in that moment that my grandmother remembered me. Oh, I got up, went over there, hugged her, I kissed her. It was an incredible moment. Isn't it funny how our minds work? Isn't it funny how our memory works or doesn't work? You see, I don't know what it was. I'll ask her one day. If, if in that moment something sparked a memory, and she remembered me. Well, you see, church, whatever happened in my grandmother's mind in that moment, our, our lives are, are very much the same. Oftentimes, it takes something to spark a memory that God is good. I want, to, I want to have just an honest, real conversation. If we were to poll this room, many of you right now are dealing with stuff. You're dealing with a lot. Heavy stuff. Heartbreaking stuff. Discouraging stuff. Depressing stuff. And there are moments when we're, when we're dealing with life's lowest seasons where you struggle to remember the faithfulness of God. Am I preaching to anyone this morning? And you need your memory sparked. And you need to be reminded of how good God is. He is good. Let's read Psalm 107, 8 and 9. It says, Let them praise the Lord. For his great love 
and for the wonderful things he has done for them. For he satisfies the thirsty and he fills the hungry with good things. And no, it's not talking about water or food. Like, God is good, church. He, he's really good, whether you remember it right now or not. I believe that God is concerned with us remembering his faithfulness. I'm going to go out on a limb and say God wants us to remember him. <laughs> Do you believe that? Like, God wants us to think about him. God wants us to have him on our mind at all times. And when God moves, when God delivers, when God shows up in that tough situation and does what only God can do, he wants you and me as his children to remember. He wants us to recognize that we've plead and begged for him to show up, and then when he does show up and delivers, he wants us to hang on to that. Like, he wants us to remember that. Why? This is not to be a Debbie Downer. Because life is not always going to have great moments. Life's going to have difficult moments. And when another difficult moment arises, we need to remember that he was good then, he's going to be good now, and he's going to be good tomorrow. Right, church? We need to be reminded and we need to remember his goodness. There's an awesome story in Scripture. Before we read what we're going to read, let me give you some background on it. Uh, the nation of Israel, uh, right, that's on our minds, they're, they're, they're trying to get to the promised land in the Old Testament. And they have a leader. His name is Joshua. And, and Joshua is trying to get God's people into the land that was promised to them by God. And so what happens is they are moving, they're making their way into Jericho. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, remember that? So before they get there, they have to cross the Jordan River. And they approach the Jordan River in the rainy season, in the harvest season, which, which means that the river was even higher than normal. So we're not talking about uh, a little creek, like we're talking about a legitimate river that the people of God have to cross. Now, you might be thinking much like I did, how many times do they have to come up to a body of water and not have a boat, right? You just read the Old Testament, you're like, man, can somebody drag a canoe? Man, come on. But anyway, they're up to the river and they're like, we can't get across. We cannot get across. So Joshua receives a word from the Lord and the Lord's like, hey, listen, I'm going to dry that thing up and you're going you're to walk across and everything's going to be great. So God does what God does. He, he dams up one side of, of the river and the rest runs dry. And the people of God cross on dry ground once again. This is after the Red Sea moment. Can you believe that? Can you imagine seeing God do stuff like that? It would be awesome. I think we do see God do stuff like that. But anyway, we, they cross the river. And here's where we're at in the story. Joshua 4. It's going to be on the screen. Read along with me. Verse 19 is where we pick up. It says, The people crossed the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month. Then they camped at Gilgal, just east of Jericho. It was there at Gilgal that Joshua piled up 12 stones taken from the Jordan River. Then Joshua said to the Israelites, In the future, your children will ask, What do these stones mean? 
then you can tell them. This is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes, and he kept it dry until you were all across, just as he did at the Red Sea when he dried it up until we had all crossed over. He did this so all the nations of the earth might know the Lord's hand is powerful, and so you might fear the Lord your God forever. You see, the people of God have experienced this sort of thing before. But what we know about God's people, us included, God can show up and do the miraculous over and over and over again. And if we're not careful, we forget that he's good. We forget that he works miracles. We forget that he is faithful not just yesterday, but every day. We forget, don't we? So what Joshua does in this moment, church, it's, it's, it's important that we hang on to this, is that Joshua, wonderful leader, knows the heart of God's people, us, are prone to forget. So what does he do? At the site of the river where they crossed, just outside of Jericho, he knew that the people of God were going to come back to this site, wash clothes, get water, you name it. He knew that they were going to see this spot in the future. So what does he do? He takes 12 stones and he builds a memorial. And he gives the response right here. Why did we do this? So that when your kids, when other generations come up to it, they'll ask, what does this mean? Then you can tell them of God's faithfulness. Then you can tell them of God's goodness. Then you will remember what God has done over and over and over again. You see, church, God is concerned with us remembering his faithfulness. God does want us to memorialize, so to speak, his unfailing love, his mercy, his compassion, his redemption, his healing, his restoration. You name it. He wants us to remember. Oh, but we forget. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you four things, four strategies, if you will, to avoid this spiritual amnesia, this spiritual sense of like, I'm, I'm forgetting what God has done. I got this. I came across in my personal study an article by a guy named Ben Rausch, and he wrote six. We're only going to go over four wonderful tips, ideas, all from the Word of God that help us remember God. Because church, listen to me, I can't answer for you. I don't want to forget what God has done for me. Amen? I don't want to forget. And many of us in here think, well, I'll never forget. We'll just wait till the next tough season, and then let me ask you. Oftentimes, we forget. I don't want to. So, it's going to be four things to help us remember. So, if you're a note taker, we're going to talk about taking notes at the end. But if you're a note taker, I want you to write this down. Think. We've got to think about him. We get this from Psalm 77, 10 through 12. Oh, and it's going to speak to us. I'm confident. This is what the psalmist says. And I said, this is my fate. The most high has turned his hand against me. You ever felt like that? You don't have to answer out loud. 
but have you ever felt like that? It's okay. The Word of God says it. You with me? But then I recall all you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. So let's look at this passage of Scripture from a real honest perspective, if you will, church. I love what the psalmist does right here. Before they get, man, to, to the meat of it, what they say is, is really their heart poured out on paper. Have you ever felt like this psalmist before in your life? Let's rehash what he, what he writes. He, he says, this is my fate. The Most High has turned his hand against me. And I ask you when we read it, have you ever felt like that? I need you to be honest this morning because this message of remembering is really for those going through that, that deep, dark moment because that's when we're most tempted by Satan to forget the faithfulness of God. When things are going well, it's great, right? Woo, he's good, but what about the dark moment? And, and what I love about what the psalmist says here, he's like, man, uh, he's turned his face, his hand against me. You ever said that? You ever felt that? You ever get off a phone call and go, what is happening? You, you ever have that conversation and wonder, is he there? You, you ever experienced that grief or that loss and wondered, what is going on? You ever been through that situation and say, God, in this moment, doesn't love me. God has forgotten about me. Are we, are we honest? Like some of you are like, can we say that in church? This is the heart of a psalmist writing it down. He's like, well, this is how I felt in this moment precisely the moment when we need to remember his faithfulness. So he pours out his heart on paper, and he's like, you've turned your hand against me, or so he thought. And then he says, but I cannot stop thinking about you. So let me tell you what happens when we go through tough seasons. You see, Satan is a trickster. He loves to work schemes in our life. He knows that in life's mountaintop moments, he's probably not going to get you. Why would he come after you in that moment? Things are great. You're riding high. All is well. Life is great. Life is grand. He's going to leave you alone. But here's what he does. When situations and circumstance change and we're in the valley, that's when he comes after us. That's when we're more tempted to forget God. That's when we're the most tempted to even cry out like the psalmist, God has turned his hand against me, or so we think. And so, of course, Satan's like, ha, I'm going to use this moment to get a child of God, to forget the goodness of God so I can have the child of God. That's what he wants. He wants you to forget God's faithfulness. But church, don't do it. What does the psalmist say here immediately? Man, he's, he's examining the valley, and then he goes, whoa, I cannot stop thinking about the goodness of God. So here's what I want to do. We think about a lot of things 
Right now, there's a lot of dudes, perhaps not in here, thinking about that buck on trail camera. Am I right, guys? Help me out. You're like, yeah, I am, man. It's consuming my thoughts. Right? Well, we think about a lot of things. All that we got to do, all that we got to accomplish, all that we got to get ready, uh, maybe those activities, whatever. We think about a lot of things, but are we thinking about God, church? Are we thinking about the goodness of God? When you are in your valley moment, much like we talked about last week, if all you ever look at is the problem, that's all you're ever going to see. Are you looking and thinking about the goodness of God? It sounds elementary. It sounds simple, but if you are processing this right now, you're like, well, maybe I don't think about him enough. Maybe I don't ponder, how you like that word? His goodness. Maybe I don't think about his mercies enough. Maybe I don't think about his faithfulness enough. I want to encourage you to think about the goodness of God. The next thing that I want you to write down is think. I didn't make all these with a T, right? I got this from Ben Roush. Think Thank. I want you to write that down. Thank. Thanksgiving. This is from the English Standard Version, Psalm 9, 1 and 2. It says, I will give thanks. And before we read it, there is a billion passages of Scripture on Thanksgiving. Okay? This is the one that we picked. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. How many of my old schoolers in here, as we were reading that, were singing the song, Count Your Blessings? Come on. Name them one by one. That's, that's my old schoolers in here. Count your blessings, name them one by one. That's the purpose of the song. You ever realize that? is to get the people of God to think about all that God has done and then thank him for all that he has done. Oh, there's something powerful, church, listen to me. There's something powerful about a heart that is thankful, incredibly thankful for the goodness of God. So what does he say here? I love it. It's powerful. I will give thanks. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. But just like the first one, thinking about him in life's valleys is difficult. Thanking him in life's valleys can be equally as difficult. You mean to tell me, Luke, my heart's broken, I'm devastated, I'm depressed, whatever it is, and in this moment, I'm supposed to thank him? Yes. Now, real talk, right? In those tough moments, you may have to go to the bottom of the barrel to dig up what you're thankful for. Have you ever had to do that? I have. I'm going to steal a line from my buddy, Chris Simmons. He, he, he said, God's good. I'm on the wake-up list today. You see, when, when life is crazy, when life is tough, that, that's, what, that's what he wants out of us. Man, are, are, you, are you thankful for what I've given you? I've given you life. 
I've given you Jesus. I've given you salvation. Like, I'm good to you. It may not seem like it right now, but I'm good to you. Oh, do you believe that? So in those moments when things are really tough, you need to start thanking Him for what He's done. You need to start thanking Him for being good. But, but there's, there's a part of this Scripture we need to touch on real quick. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. Let's talk about that for a moment. Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon says, half-heartedness is no heart. Half a heart is no heart. So in those moments when you are thanking Him, is it with your whole heart? Or are you just going through the motions thinking that's what you got to do? Or are you really thanking Him? You see that story about Chris Simmons. I'm on the wake-up list. You see, I, th I think that's what's evident of that whole heart being thankful. You, you are searching you, you are seeing His goodness. You, you are grasping at the almighty deeds of God the Father. You, you are seeing what He's done in your life, and you are saying, thank you. Thank you. Yes, I've been crying for three days straight, but thank you. That's tough, ain't it, church? But that's what He wants out of you. Thanksgiving. I want you to try that. What I, love about, what I love about Psalm 9, what we just read, it's by David. And if you were to read the whole Psalm 9, you will see that David is talking about the Goliath moment. Now, there's a great chance that nobody in here has picked up a couple rocks and killed a giant Philistine, right? Pretty good chance. Not, not to over-sympathize the story or take it out of context, but perhaps you're facing your Goliath moment. And so what David has done in this moment, if you see the pattern of the Psalms, David will be thankful. He will praise the holy name, and then he'll cry out in depression. He'll cry out in sadness. He'll cry out in this distraught sense of what's happening, Lord. But in this moment, he's recalling what he did for him in that valley. He's saying, you killed the Philistine. You've been good to me. You have provided for me. You have saved me. This is not like a happy psalm. Like he's depressed. He's low. But he's remembering what God has done, and he's thanking him for it. So church, thank God for his goodness in whatever situation you're in. If he's saved you and uh, woke you up this morning, he's been good to you. So thank him for it. The next thing I want you to write down is tell. You need to tell of his goodness. Tell people how good God is. Joshua 4, we're going to rehash that story real briefly, 21 and 22. Then Joshua said to the Israelites, In the future, your children will ask, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them. This is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to make a habit of telling people the goodness of God. Wow. Again, these sound simple. But we tell 
We talk, we say a whole lot about a whole lot, but do we say anything about the goodness of God? Do we tell our friends, do we tell our neighbors, do we tell our children, do we tell our spouse, do we tell people about how good God is? Do we share of his goodness? Do we tell ours? You see, there's something about telling, right, that helps us remember. I love storytelling because that's how, man, those stories are passed down over and over and over again. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to make it a practice. Uh, let's, let's take the community, let's take our friends and, and, and coworkers out of the picture j- just for a minute. And let's think about it in the context of our family. we got to start there. Are you telling your family about the goodness of God? I want to share a story with you. And here's how I want you to think about this. It's that legacy mindset that that God shows up in one generation, that generation tells the next, and then they tell the next, and so on. And that that family can look back and go, God's hand has been on my family for a long time. That's the whole purpose of Joshua 4. It's so that each generation would remember God's faithfulness. And if we know anything about the Old Testament, when one generation fails to tell of the goodness, the next one has no concept of God. No concept of Him. So, tell of His goodness. One of my favorite stories in my family. Trust me, I asked other pastors to help, and it was crickets. Okay? You can get on to them. But in my family... One of my favorite stories is that same grandmother was married at what? 16? 17? Young. A long time ago. She was in love with the Lord. Her new husband was not. And every night, she would grab him by the hands and she would pray over the dinner, over the meal. She would do this over and over and over again. Until my grandfather said, I've, I've kind of had enough of the woman leading. Like, this is, not, this is not right. And because of her faithful example of serving the Lord, loving him, giving thanks, that's why in my family, you pray before you eat. She prayed, and ultimately through that example, my grandfather came to Christ. Now, why is this a big deal? They raised three daughters, all of which... Love and serve the Lord. Three daughters, between all of them, had six grandkids. All of which, I'm not saying this boastfully, I'm saying this because I'm referring to the goodness of God. All of which love and serve the Lord. Then them now are having kids, so great grandkids are now coming to know the Lord and serving Him. You see, church, that is generational goodness. That's God being faithful. That, that's God pouring out His mercy and, and His love and His restoration. None of that has been easy, but God has been good. And so here's what I want out of, out of my life and out of my kids. I want to share that story with my kids so that when their grandparents are gone and I'm gone, they're sharing with their kids about how many years ago that Great-great-grandma, great-great-grandpa, they they came to know the Lord, and we're serving Him because of their faithfulness and God's ultimate sovereignty over their life. you got to tell of God's goodness. We tell our kids, we tell our spouse all kinds of stuff. Right now in my house, it is camo and, and antlers, right? That's what we're talking about. Why are you talking about the goodness of God? 
Are you sharing those stories of how God showed up and delivered and saved and healed and transformed? Those are powerful stories that generations need to know about so they can look back and go, God's been good and God will keep being good. The next thing that I want you to write down is transcribe. Write. We see over and over in Scripture uh, God commanding people to write things down. We talked about it in our parenting message. I mean, you need to write it on the doorpost, on your foreheads, everywhere you go. Write about the goodness of God. Do you write it down? Here's where I'm going to have a, a real chat with the guys in the room because if I was a betting man, everyone taking notes in this room is female, right? And the guys are like, no, I remember. I got a good memory. No, you don't. You don't know what you had for dinner last night. You're going to forget. Guys, learn to write things down. You know what I'm talking about, guys? The, the, the value of writing things down is when you go to Home Depot and you're like, I remember that list. I remember it. I know exactly what I got to get. You go to Home Depot, you go down 19 different aisles to build that project. You come home, and you're like, ow, man, forgot that. You ever, you ever been there? And then in one day's time, you've been to Home Depot five times. Just write it down, guys. Like, Ashley gets on to me all the time. She's like, honey, you'd save yourself time, gas money, and frustration if you just write it down. Guys, listen to me. Learn to write down the goodness of God. Learn to write it down. You think you'll remember, but you won't. You, you think you'll re remember the date that your, that your child came to faith in Christ, December 2nd? Oftentimes, we forget. Write it down. Ladies, write it down. Write down God's goodness so that you can recount his faithfulness, so that you won't forget. Got a story, Josh Turner, several years ago, we were going to India, going to India on a mission trip. And in the uh, like mission preparation packet, he was like, bring a journal so you can write stuff down. I was like, <laughs> you want me to journal while I'm there? Josh, 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 Josh. I can remember. I'll remember it all. I can't remember. And I say that with a busted up heart. I wish I would have wrote it down. I wish that every day that we were there and we were, we were praying for God to do this and God did that, that I would have wrote it down. I, I wish that when we heard stories of those villagers standing firm in the faith and risking life, for the gospel, I wish that I would have wrote their name down so I could still be praying for them by name, but instead I just have to pray for that villager now. I wish I would have wrote it down so that in my office or at home, whenever I could, I could open, this isn't a journal, this is the word of God, but go along with me, that I could open the journal up and read about God's goodness, about his faithfulness about him showing up over and over and over again. So listen to my story and learn from it. Learn to write it down. You see, what I've started doing is when I preach a sermon, I always make sure that I print a hard copy because these things get dropped in water uh, they burn up, they die, they get viruses, whatever. And I want my girls one day to be able to have a file cabinet of their daddy's heart as he's preaching. I want them to see that. 
I want them to have the file cabinet of, of their daddy's thoughts. I want them to see what God was doing in my heart. It's powerful. Learn to write down what God is doing. You think you'll remember, but you won't. Has God been good to you, church? He's been good to me. Just like we sang, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. God never leaves you. And He's working and He's good, whether we remember or not. But I want you to learn how to remember. Let me pray for you. God, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the instruction that it brings our lives. And God, I'm so thankful that we can just have a practical conversation this morning about how you desire for us to remember and mark your faithfulness. It's so important. Because if we've been around this life any length of time, we know that tough days, if we're not in them, tough days are coming. And we need to be reminded of your goodness. So God, help us to remember in whatever season that we're in that you're good, you've always been good, and you're always going to be good. Thank you for your, Jesus, uh, for your son, Jesus, and in and through him, we have ultimate hope and salvation. Thank you. We ask everything in your son's precious name. Amen.